1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, I'm George Cup, And I'm Callum Gurr. And you're about to listen to the podcast version of To Be Discussed with Cup and Gurr. Please note that this is a podcast, so it's not a live broadcast. So please do not try to vote in any of the polls or send in messages to any of our discussions, as your message will not be registered, but you may still be charged.
0: Also... Please note that not all of the opinions expressed in this podcast are our actual opinions, but may be expressed to create a better discussion. Anyway, enjoy the podcast and don't miss our live broadcast every Sunday on Wizard Radio Station. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of To Be Discussed with Cut and Gurr. My name is Callum Gurr, and I'll be joined by my co-host and political opposite, George Cut.
1: Hello, everyone. This evening, Callum and I will prove to you that you can have impassioned debates whilst holding vastly different opinions without falling out at the end of the evening. But tonight we will be discussing, are you happy with the outcome of the Labour leadership elections? Which is the best Disney film of all time? And lastly, are dad jokes actually funny? With each of these discussions being accompanied by polls, which you have the chance to vote on at at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen. And these discussions will be open until the end of the song break between each topic.
0: But first, uh, we've just heard the Queen give us a televised address to the nation. So we thought we'd want to digest all of that in this segment. But fear not, if you did send in your opinion on the question, tell us one positive thing lockdown has meant for you. Last week, uh, we'll still be reading those opinions in the slot next Sunday. Uh, But George, obviously, as I say, we've just had uh, the Queen give her address. Uh, What did you make of that? How would you kind of summarise that? Well, I think whenever the Queen makes an address to the nation um,
1: at a time that isn't Christmas, um, you know how um, serious the situation must be. And I must say, no matter what your opinion is, is of the royal family, I think there is something rather unique and rather touching um, when the Queen addresses the nation and speaks to us from uh, her own living room and, and is looking directly at the camera and into our lounges all, all over the nation. and And essentially she is saying how she understands and appreciates the financial disruption and the disruption that is going in with families, with work life, and the challenges that are being faced by every single individual today um, because of the coronavirus. Especially, she said, thanks to the NHS and how the NHS are the driving force in making sure that we beat the coronavirus. Um, And by Showing our appreciation and how we are very good at coming together to to go out on Thursday evenings at 8pm and clap our hands for our essential workers and the NHS and our carers. Because we do appreciate those people and they are incredibly special to us and incredibly special for uh, what they are doing by putting their lives on the line every day to ensure the health of those around them. And I think essentially as well, what she said, which is so important to me, is that we remain united. We will succeed. We will be with our friends again and we will meet again. And I think through all of this, that is, if anything, if you're going to take anything away from that speech, that is what you should take away is that we will meet again and we will definitely get through this. Callum, what, what, what's your kind of summary and your thoughts on what, um, the Queen had to say.
0: Yeah, I think I think she's got a, a kind of remarkable knack for, for putting a, a finger to the pulse of what the nation needs a, at a particular time. Um so so I think um you know as you say George that, that address was all about um kind of obviously paying tribute to those that we've unfortunately lost because of this um coronavirus outbreak, but also paying tribute to those that are uh, on the front line in terms of NHS workers, um, but also those who are essential workers who who maybe aren't working for the National Health Service but are still going to work every day and keeping you know the the shelves um, fully sta- stocked and and things like that. Yeah. Um, and, and the kind of as you say, George, the overriding message of this is is you know better days are going to return. We as long as we. <laughs> actually listen to what the government's saying and i think to be fair the majority of um the majority of the nation are and listening to what the experts are saying um it's just obviously a sad few that um we've seen some of the headlines about um over the weekend um i, I mean G- george in, in terms of the effect of this uh this speech because as you say this is fairly um unprecedented although we hear that an awful lot about everything to do with coronavirus at the moment this is fairly unprecedented as you say to have the queen given an address like this i mean mm. what effect do you think it's going to have because obviously the the speech itself didn't actually really contain any kind of measures as, as you would expect but, but what do you think the effect's going to be I think if
1: I'm honest with you, um, this is kind of one of the things that the government have quite clearly played to ensure that people were listening, because, um, as I said, no matter your opinion on the royal family, I think the Queen herself is rather well respected um, across the country. And when the Queen addresses you, I think a lot of people do tend to listen to what she's saying. Um, And within that speech, she did say that if we follow the guidelines that are out there and we follow what is being published by the government in terms of staying inside, only going outside to get the essentials and for essential travel if you have to, um, and by not mingling with lots of people, keeping two metres apart, um, those guidelines, I think people will listen to the Queen, sometimes more than um, they will the government. I think as you rightly say, Callan, the Queen does have a knack of being able to also, I think, speak to everyone. I think a lot of people will listen to the Queen um, when some of those people won't listen to the government. So I think the, the response to this speech will actually be a positive one. And um, because it might make people realize the seriousness of this whole epidemic that's going on, because I think it's very hard to not see how serious this is when it doesn't directly um, impact you in terms of not having any deaths in your family or whatsoever. You just read it on the news and you've, you you do not have a job and it can be quite frustrating. But when the um, head of state addresses the nation like the queen has that's when i think everybody needs to sit down
0: and listen to make sure that we can all get through this do you think
1: kind of similarly there
0: yeah yeah no i do i think so as well i mean i i think people will sit up and take notice because as you say the queen has got a tremendous amount of respect from people um and i think quite rightly as well you know i mean she, she is someone who is especially at risk of, of this. And um, she's still working from home effectively by giving this um, giving this address. There. And she's also very personally um, kind of suffering from coronavirus because obviously Prince Charles did test um, positive for coronavirus and indeed her own prime minister has done as well. Um, so, so I think, you know, on that basis, I think the nation is already sitting up and taking notice, but I think this is a really effective way of reinforcing that and i i hope and and i, I know really that we, you know we we will get through this as as uh, the queen said in her address there right then uh we've reached time to end uh, that discussion um but thanks very much for listening and we'll be back very soon
1: Hello and welcome back to To Be Discussed. So let's move on to our second discussion of this evening. And we're asking, are you happy with the outcome of the Labour leadership elections? So yesterday, which was the 4th of April, we finally had the results announced of the Labour Party's leader and deputy leadership elections. Yes, I know it went on for what seems like forever. So Keir Starmer won the election in the first round with 56.2% of the vote, beating Rebecca Long-Bailey and Lisa Nandy and taking over from Mr Corbyn. Angela Rayner received 52.6% of the final vote and as such, she has now become the deputy leader and chair of the Labour Party, which was appointed by Keir Starmer. Starmer has promised to take the party into a new era. However, some members have already come out to say that the Labour Party, and I quote, is now dead. This could have been the chance for Labour to elect a female leader, but they remain the only major political party not to have done so. But, Callum, even though it is clear that some members of the Labour Party aren't happy with
0: the results, are you? Uh, I am actually reasonably happy. Um, As as people know from um, the previous discussion we've had about the leadership election, Ah, uh, my preference would have been uh, Lisa Nandy. Um, I think she was probably slightly better equipped, um, to, um, lead the Labour Party uh, back to government, but also just to, at a bare minimum, being a, a strong and decent opposition. Um, but I think that Keir Starmer, so far, I mean, <laughs> it's very very early days yet, but so far, I think he's making the right noises to, um to take the Labour Party in the direction which I believe they need to go in. Um, I, I think one of the crucial things um, f- for me uh, is one of the reasons why I wouldn't contemplate tactical voting for uh, the Labour Party in the general election. Uh, one of the, that, the key thing for that was um, anti-Semitism and, and the party's response to that. And obviously that is not over yet. The, just because they've now got rid of Corman doesn't mean... That um, they've suddenly stamped out that problem. But I do think that Keir Starmer so far has shown a greater willingness to um address that issue than what uh, Jeremy Corbyn did. Um he, he's already reached out to the head of the Board of Deputies, of British Jews, um, basically saying what a staying anti-Semitism's been on the party, and actually saying the words, I'm sorry, um for this and 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 kind of promising to to make things better, or at least judge the quality of his or the success of his leadership on whether or not um, the Labour Party gets to a place where um, Jewish people feel comfortable being members of the party or voting for the party. Um, so I think that's a, a really good sign, but also kind of more to the more nitty gritty of politics as such. I I think as well, um, he's already um, started a a cabinet reshuffle or a shadow cabinet reshuffle. Uh, So he's got rid of Barry Gardner, the former um, shadow international trade secretary, um, who was a a massive Corbyn loyalist. And he's also got got rid of Ian uh, Lavery, who was the Labour Party chairman. Um, and, And I think... Getting rid of those kind of the old guard of, of Corbinism is is a good sign that they're going to take things in a, in a new direction. So I, I think I am on the whole happy about it, even if when I initially heard the news, I actually wasn't particularly um, enamoured by the prospect of Keir Starmer being leader. Uh, what do you think, George? Yeah, I think there's no secret, um, again,
1: I, to my preferred person to become the Labour leader in that way I agree with Callum was Lisa Nandy I, I much preferred Lisa Nandy in, in in her way that she was going to take control of the Labour Party but that obviously isn't the result that happened um, yesterday and Kia is now in that role and I think we I think Kia is going to take the Labour Party into a new era as he said um, and I think he's going to do it in an interesting way, I think that um, he is going to try and get out of that kind of Corbynist era and make sure that he can put his own stamp on the party and and even make it election winning. Um, of course, that is any goal of the leader of any party. But I think as well there are going to be some issues with him. As I quoted in the introduction, I saw a lot of things um, on social media, for example, where they were traditional Labour voters. And because Kia was elected, they aren't going to vote for him. Some on the more centralist side, because they voted for Brexit and a lot blame Kia for his approach to Brexit and, and the failure of um, Labour's last election. And some because Kia isn't, isn't a fully paid up member of the uh, Corbyn fan page. And a lot of the momentum side are not going to like that. And momentum will try. And I think they will challenge Kia a lot. I think if we talk about both the leadership and the depth leadership of, um, Angela as well. I think it. I think she's going to be a fantastic figurehead in that position because I think both of them are going to be able to work together to try and bring together the left and the right sides of the Labour Party to ensure that there is more this centre fighting ground instead of there being clear opposite ends um, and clear who which person they mostly support or, or which kind of political agenda they mostly support. Um, and I and I think that by having a leader that can bring together and a deputy they can bring together those mps from all sides that is going to be so key and so strong for the labor party to go forward i do think there will be issues and i still think that even though you could argue that brexit is done and everything like that i think brexit will still be um, a problem for the labor party especially under kia's leadership because um As I said, he was the shadow Brexit secretary, and I think that it might come up as a problem. But I think the shadow reformation shadow of the shadow cabinet is is going well. I mean, for example, he's put Lisa Nandy as the foreign secretary, and I think that's a fantastic position for Lisa. Um, And we are going to see even more people coming through. And I think that it will be so good to have a opposition shadow cabinet that is actually going to be ready and fighting and not just doing what Corbyn tells them to do i hope that kia does not give a position to um jeremy on the front bench but who knows um but callum two questions for you so get your pen ready um first one (laughs) first one is do you think that kia and um, we'll find it hard to get over that Brexit hurdle because of the stance he took. And as we've seen from the Conservative winning over the Red Wall, um, they were so they voted because of Brexit. And secondly, do you think that um, Jeremy Corbyn should be on Keir Starmer's front bench?
0: Um, so in terms of the should Corbyn be on his front bench? No, I don't think he should be. Um, because I think it's, it's generally um, the principle that a leader that's been shown to have ultimately failed in the ultimate goal of getting the party into government. I think it's right and proper that they aren't then kind of rewarded with a, a, a key role um, within the next leader's team. Um it's similarly to what should happen with the the Shadow Chancellor, John McDonnell, and I'm, I'm pleased to say he's not been made or kept on as Shadow Chancellor and, and um Diane Abbott as well, I I believe is also gone as, as um shadow home secretary. Um so I I I think that Corbyn on that basis shouldn't um be anywhere near that front bench team, um and he should be um looking to resume his role as a backbencher. Um, In terms of, do I think that Keir Starmer will fight hard to kind of get over this Brexit hurdle? Uh, I think he's going to have to, um, because it it is going to be an issue. Although I I would say that um, it also slightly depends upon what the public um, perception is of Brexit um, as we move forward. Um, a, whether or not Brexit is seen as a massively important issue in voters' minds. I suspect in many ways it won't be as much because Brexit, for all intensive purposes, has got been got and done now, or at least it can't be reversed. Um, and also um, because if um, Brexit is seen as not being overly successful, I don't think it's going to count against Keir Starmer so much to have been sub- supportive of of a second referendum um but i do think it's still a a kind of hurdle that um he's Mm. gonna have to get over um what Mm. about you george in terms of the that second question you had in terms of um should um jeremy corbyn be on that front bench team i think i think it would be interesting i can
1: see maybe initially the benefits of corbyn being on the front bench for a couple of uh i don't know a couple of months maybe even a year just to show that that Kia wants to unite the party and and bring in the left side still and and still try and gain maybe that Corbyn support from those Corbyn voters, because that is a lot of those people members that have have recently joined the party. They are Corbyn supporters. So I can see the initial benefits of Corbyn staying on the front bench. But I think if coming into election, it would be very, very important that Kia then gets rid of Jeremy Corbyn from the front bench um, and puts him on the back bench and brings someone else in. Um, so I think it would be interesting the way that Kia does play it. And I I have a feeling that I think he will play it the way where he brings Jeremy in just for a little while and gives him kind of a, 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 a minor role Within um, the the cabinet, but Callum, I I know we often have conversations on this radio show regarding um, you could say positive discrimination about how you shouldn't give someone a job just because of their sex, gender, sexuality, um, and so on. And and I'm not saying that we should have had a female labour. Um, leader just because they are female but as Callum and I have already said we we both supported Lisa so Callum question to you do you think the Labour Party
0: has something against female leaders um no I don't nothing kind of overtly that's kind of anti-feminist or anti um, female empowerment um but I think there is a, uh, there's an issue to be, to be spoken about the fact that uh, it, it seems to be a problem more prevalent within socialism. If you look at even with, um, in the United States as well um, in the um, they, people, socialists generally um, seem to think that liberation comes from a, a white man. Um, mm. I, I do think that is a problem we're seeing with the, um, bernie sanders as well in terms of with the um, previous u.s presidential election with bernie sanders supporters not getting behind um hillary clinton who was a a strong powerful elected woman um who was given a, a a mandate to to um run for president um so so i do think that there's a kind of wider issue to be had or to be talked about rather um but i don't think it's necessarily that they're kind of anti-feminist or anything like that i think it's more uh unconscious bias possibly what, what do you think george
1: yeah i i think there is definitely that that issue and, and i totally agree with what you're saying as well um and i and i think that in the future we definitely will see a um a female leader of the labor party um and i still actually think that could be lisa nandy i think she's still got plenty of time yeah. to um keep running um and and i think the way key is going to take the party Uh, Lisa will then take it even further later on, Um, but quickly, just another um, quick question for you. Do you think that Kia can truly win over the hearts of the traditional Labour voter when he is a clear millionaire um,
0: and is a London boy? Um, Well, uh, I, I think he can. I think firstly, just very quickly, I'd say that Keir Starmer's had quite an interesting uh, life in himself. I I believe he is from a a fairly working class background anyway, even if he is well-spoken. I think he's kind of trained his dialect because in politics and in law, you do well with having a well-spoken accent rather than because he's necessarily from wealth. Um, But I think he can because he, he can be quite articulate and he can be quite forthright. I think he can win over um, those Labour voters, because, I mean, if if an Antonian um, educated Boris Johnson can, I, I don't see how um, Keir Starmer can't. And lastly, Callum, how do you think this poll is going to go? Um, I think most people will be um, happy with the outcome. So I'd, I'd say that uh, 60% will say, yes, they're happy with that. What about you?
1: I'm going to say 68% are going to say happy. Um, But there is only one way to find that out, and that is for you guys to be voting. And you could do that. Um, So vote for this question. Are you happy with the outcome of the Labour leadership elections? And you can do that at uk forward slash listen. And we'll be back after this. Hello and welcome back. So before that uh, lovely break, we asked you the question, are you happy with the outcome of the Labour leadership elections? And you guys have been voting away um, and the results are so 61% of you said yes, uh, which means that 39% of you voted no. So Callum, um, you, you, uh, you did the good in there.
0: <laughs> I'm just glad to see you're finally admitting, George, that I got I got a prediction right. Yeah, I know no, but um, I know <laughs> Get I, it is good to see that um people are fairly positive about that. I mean obviously it'd be interesting to hear what those thirty nine per cent of people are saying about why why they're unhappy at that. Maybe they are conservative inclined voters who are now worried that um this poses a threat to their electability as such nah, nah, we're never worried <laughs> of course not right <laughs> yeah. then, time to move on to our third discussion of this evening and we're asking the question which is the best disney film of all time so one thing lockdown has meant for many people is watching copious amounts of films especially for those who have been furloughed or have finished uni or school with no exams to come one popular service to stream them on is Disney Plus, which launched just over a week ago in the UK. And you'll find a variety of films on the service, as you'd expect, including those released by Marvel Studios and Pixar. But which is the best Disney film of all time out of the following based on IMDb rankings of the films? Is it Lion King, Avengers Infinity War, Wally, Avengers Endgame, Toy Story, or other? George, which of these films do you think is the best Disney has to offer? I'm a bit angry that you've asked me this question because I don't think we should
1: ever have to pick a the best uh Disney film. Um, <laughs> because they're they're all so good. Um so I'm gonna sit this one out and just let you talk for ten minutes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, finally. It's my big break, isn't it? Isn't it? No, no I, I, I do I, that to you, George. You've got to carry yeah. on though.
1: Yeah, no, I couldn't do it to our listeners, they'll get too bored. Um <laughs> so i I, for me um definitely out of these it would be the lion king now i am gonna say that it it won't be the most modern lion king for me it would be the earliest lion king um with people like rowan axon in um because that's what i grew up with that's the the film that i remember the most and it's the film that when i hear the songs those, their voices are the ones I hear when it plays. Um, and it's just such a happy, jolly film. There is, of course, a little bit of darkness in there. I don't want to give any spoilers away, just in case no one's seen it. Um, but it is it is just such a, a such a great, great film. And, of course, The Lion King has also um, made it onto the West End. And it's one of the best and fantastic musicals. And I would definitely urge anyone to go and see it. I don't even know if it's still going on, actually. Um but then, in second place, maybe a bit of surprise, I would go for Wally, um, because it's it's just such a lovely film, and I cry every time I watch it. Um, I always like to think that I'm a bit like Wally. Um, see how I do the impression every time, though.
0: I I've not seen the film, George, so I don't actually know.
1: <laughs> oh God, I can't believe you you've just said that. oh dear um yeah so so Wally
0: so Callum can you tell me why Wally's your favorite film (laughs) oh it's great isn't it Uh, I mean I did um you know I did some research George because I I care Uh, (laughs) so I can tell you that uh it did actually win a golden globe uh Wally for best animated (laughs) feature film and an academy award for best animated feature after good. getting actually five nominations. So obviously it is a good film. I won't um, deny that, or even if I've not seen it, so I can't massively comment on that. Um, in terms of what my favorite Disney film is, I, I would agree with you actually, George. I think Lion King is my favorite. Again, the, the original animated version. Um, obviously the, the remake was, was not terrible by any means, but um, it just was a bit unnecessary, to be honest. Um, and it... It, yeah, it didn't make it any better, I I don't think. Um, but in terms of the, the original, um, it, you know, it, it's a iconic film, really. Um, you know, in 2016, the Library of Congress selected it to be in the United States National Film Registry. Um, and it, uh, it is the 11th highest grossed in animated film of all time worldwide. Uh, the fourth highest in the Walt Disney animation movies. And um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's massively important, Lion King. Um, but I do think that special mention probably should be made for the uh, the Marvel films, um, it's particularly Endgame, um, mm-hmm. partly because I haven't seen Infinity War either. So, <laughs> so I'm not best qualified to talk <laughs> about that. Uh, but uh, Endgame, because it's the culmination of of 22 or it's the 22nd film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it's the culmination of 21 other film stories. Um, It grossed nearly 2.8 billion worldwide, Um, you know, it received many, many awards nominations and, and it was just generally, I think special praise should be made to the Marvel movies for the fact that they contain an arc, not over one film, not over two films but across so many different films um, and they still manage to keep things interesting and so so I do think that based on that there should be special praise reserved um, for that Um, but George kind of um, looking beyond the um, suggestions we've got here is there any other uh, Disney films that you think are worthy of particular praise? So this is a bit of a um an odd one but
1: I used to love and um adore a film called Dinosaur um, and it was is it, it was good about a dinosaur like... or... no no Canada I don't know I said is it I said dinosaur I was just
0: checking um, whether you got it <laughs> wrong or not I kind of it's very rare
1: I get anything wrong um um the I disagree of of course you would. Uh, <laughs> um it's about a dinosaur called Aladar, um, who travels who has to um migrate across lands and everything because the practically like the world is ending and they've got to go to these these egg um egg areas so they can breed and carry on their their breeds and everything and, and it's such a I don't know special film and, and I uh, I again it's another one that I grew up with. Um and it's just the animation back then it was it was i think it was released in 2000 i believe so it's 20 years old and, and the animation back then was absolutely incredible but the other one i would also bring into this is definitely Pirates of the caribbean um i absolutely love Pirates of the caribbean and, and i think johnny depp is is amazing in it as um jack sparrow um yeah what would you bring into the old other section kind of?
0: Uh, so the the one I'd um, fly the flag for would be um, Peter Pan. Um, oh, what? P- Peter Pan is an absolutely classic film. Oh uh, dear! Do you not like it?
1: I just it just upsets me that you've seen a film like Peter Pan, but you haven't seen a film like
0: Wally. For <laughs> so Peter Pan, the, 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 I'm talking about the the original one. You know, the one that was released in the fifties, not the not the one. They did do a remake, didn't they? I think in like two thousand and two or something like that. I'm I'm talking talking about the original, George.
1: Callum, I'm talking about the original
0: Wally. Well, (laughs) yes. Obviously, you are, but (laughs) I haven't seen Wally, so I can't comment on it. Can we start focusing on Wally, please? (laughs) God. No. So in terms of Peter Pan, you know, I think it's a it's a a really good film, and it is something that I I grew up watching. I, I watched it about. 7 or 8 times I think I always used to watch it around my cousins um so so I, I you know I think it's it's a it's an iconic film really um, maybe yeah. not the the best disney film ever but I still think it's it's pretty damn good yeah. well there you go you don't you don't have to be peter plan to fly um
1: <laughs> What when you when you've put Toy Story here as an option? Are you talking Toy Story as all of them or Toy Story One? Um, is that is that what you're going for there, Colin?
0: I don't like the way you've admitted that. I selected this topic. Uh, <laughs> so Toy, I was I was thinking of Toy Story the the Toy Story film. Uh, I, right. Although I would say that actually, um, Toy Toy Story Four, that's the most recent one, I believe. That is actually quite a good film. I did actually really enjoy that because we we went to see that. But I, I mean, in terms of the original Toy Story, I mean, that's obviously a, a massively iconic film too. Um, that was also um, put into the National Film Registry. It's got a hundred percent approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and wow. And also, uh, yeah, I know, amazing. Um, and also, it's received three Academy Award nominations. And so. so you know that's a massively iconic film um in itself um just before we obviously go to the song break george uh which of these do you think is going to come out on top oh it's a really hard question
1: but i i'm going to go against my gut instinct here but i and i think i'm going to say avengers endgame is going to come out on top what do you think
0: yeah i i i agreed at one of the avengers well i i wonder if infinity war will um oh, look, you- Adam, i'll i'll go for endgame you go for infinity war okay yeah 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 because i just think it was more critically acclaimed than maybe what endgame was uh right then um as i say time to go to the song break but r- remember to vote on this poll, which is the best disney film of all time you can do that with a radio.co.uk for stars listen and those options again are like ping. Avengers Infinity War, Wally, Avengers Endgame, Toy Story, or other. And we'll be back very soon. Hello and welcome back. So, Port Break, we asked which is the best Disney film of all time? And you guys have been voting away. So, 27% of you said that The Lion King was. Ah, twenty-four percent of you said Toy Story, twenty-two percent Avengers: Infinity War, sixteen uh, percent other, and eleven percent Wall-E. So, George, we were we were wrong on that one. Um, quite surprising, don't you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I am happy though that the uh, the Lion King is definitely the uh, the uh, in top spot there. Um, but I, I definitely think it's interesting that Toy Story has beaten the Avengers.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm I am very surprised at that um I, i'm actually also surprised that others done not actually as well as i thought um, i actually thought that there was a slight chance that other could even win this one um because, just because there's so many disney films okay. out there do you know what callum one day other will
1: have its day one day it will <laughs> one day right okay so let's move on to our fourth discussion of this evening as i always say to me the most important discussion so we are asking the question are dad jokes actually funny so i wanted to ensure that we finish the show on a happy topic that will either make you cringe or laugh out loud lol for short um so i'm (laughs) laughing at my own jokes um so so, i know so of the best jokes that are around um are known as some of the best jokes that are around are known as dad jokes which are often cheesy witty and definitely cringeworthy but mr Gurr, do you find them funny
0: uh why why are you laughing already some dad jokes i do find funny um i think um I think I've got probably a dad joke sense of humor anyway. And I think probably our our listeners would testify to the fact we both have got um, that kind of personality a little bit. Um, but I, I think they, they can be funny and in, in the, the um, appropriate time or place. Um, but um, quite often they, they're a bit like a damp, damp squid. Um, a, a bit like your lol joke just there, George. Um, Thank you not a great one uh what about you do do you um find him funny as a uh qualified dad yourself <laughs> <laughs> he's not <laughs> actually got kids just to be clear i just mean he, he he's he's like the dad of our of our friendship group that's all oh, i am
1: i i was i was i thought you knew something that i didn't then oh, i was well. quite
0: worried maybe i do well there we
1: are um i uh I absolutely do love dad jokes. Um, as Callum said, I, I am kind of like the uh, dad of the uh, the group. Um, it's because I have a very old mind. Um, I mean, I am a conservative, so that kind of all kind of Jumps into the same bag, and and I I am an an eighty year old really. I think my mindset is, and and I like making my own dad jokes, um, or or putting dad jokes in in awkward situations to try and lighten the mood. I mean, often they don't. It just they often make it even more awkward. Um, but but you know, I I think your your proper proper good old dad jokes, are, are so unique. I mean, for example, Callum, what's the difference between a a poorly dressed man on a tricycle and a well dressed man on a bicycle
0: i don't know george what is the difference attire
1: i mean <laughs> it's 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 little punchlines like that that just make your <laughs> make your absolute day callum how many apples grow on a tree
0: um i don't know george <laughs> all of them <laughs> wow that was terrible. I've got one of my own. To be fair, it's not a—it's not that kind of joke. It's—it's it's an advice kind of one. Um, it, in terms of it, say say you're at a um, a restaurant, um, yeah. say on a date or something, or just with a friend, um, and you you ask them if they want to uh, share an appetizer, the, the prawns, say uh, if they when they say yes, you can say oh good because if not, it'd be mighty shellfish. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Terrible as well. They're, okay, yeah. I, I changed my mind on my answer to the question. No, dad jokes aren't funny. <laughs> uh,
1: quickly, do you want to, do you want to uh, hear a joke
0: about construction? Um, yes, I, I suppose I do.
1: Oh, sorry, I'm still working on it. <laughs> 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 I mean, wow. it is. Do you do you think though? let's let's kind of bring it back to the more serious uh, level yeah. of the show. Um, do you think dad jokes are kind of the, I don't know, the centre of British humour?
0: Um, hmm. In a in a sense, because dad jokes can be quite dry humour, and I think yeah. British humour is very dry as well. Um, so so I think to a certain extent. Although I'd say that when british comedy is done well you wouldn't necessarily describe it as a dad joke hopefully what do you think Angels? do you think it kind of underpins it
1: yeah i think there's definitely that, that that kind of underpinning of 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 dad jokes in nearly every kind of british comedy that goes about because dad jokes are all about making a punchline that and then the the answer is actually so, so obvious. Sorry, asking the question then the punchline is so so obvious that it's actually funny, or so bad that it's funny. And I and I think that kind of then develop develops itself into comedies like the two Ronnies. Um at morcom and wise miranda and and sitcoms like that as well because it's i don't know that those kind of little twists on words or actions really then make the audience laugh um or at least try to make the audience laugh and i think that is definitely a british humor i think we um as a society have a very unique humor compared to other countries do you think
0: that yeah, I think we do, and, and just kind of thinking about it, I think a lot of the the best British comedies kind of have a a dad figure w- within them who who is the, the butt of the joke through kind of dad type humour as well. So so I think you're right in that they they are quite important actually.
1: And I'm you know just to round this up, I'll ask one more: Why did the Invisible Man turn down the job offer?
0: I don't know, George. Why? He couldn't see himself doing it.
1: Um, <laughs> how well, how do you reckon this is going to go Callum <laughs>
0: um, oh, I think it's going to be quite a um, tight run thing but I'll say that people will say yes they are 55% what about you
1: Um, I'm going to say 45% for yes but there's only one way to find out and that is for you guys to vote away um, on the question, aren't dad jokes actually funny? So you do that at wizardradio.co.uk forward slash listen and we'll be back after this welcome back. So before that break, we asked are dad jokes actually funny? So uh, you guys have been voting away and the results have come in. So 71% of you said yes that dad jokes are funny and they make you uh lol. <laughs> and 29 <laughs> I did it again. I just yeah, I'm struggling not to laugh. And uh 29% of you said, no, they're not. Well, Callum, are you surprised by that? Or is that kind of the, the result? Well, I mean, obviously, it's not what you predicted, but yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> I'm surprised because, as you say, it's not what I predicted. But just kind of thinking about it, uh, as as we said, we've got quite a dad sense of humour. um, So it explain why people listen to our show a little bit. I maybe. suppose that if they like that kind of humour, not that we're like a, a comedy show or something. So does I don't think that's why people listen to us for for a laugh. Like, but maybe like it's to listen to our ridiculous opinions. I like to think that we we're a mixture of both. We've got
1: good banter and some serious tones in there as well. We're like a we're like a good red wine.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. exactly. Whatever
1: George. whatever that means. Right, okay, so as ever, I really do hope that um, we've been able to bring a cheery smile to your face, even if that is by hearing a dad joke. Um, so you have been listening to uh, To Be Discussed with Cuff and We do incredibly hope you've enjoyed this episode.
0: So it's now time for George and I to say ciao for now. So I've been Callum Gurr. And I've been George Cut. Remember, everybody, stay inside unless it is for essential travel.
1: Keep safe and be aware of your surroundings. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week at the same time and the same place for another episode of To Be Discussed. That's chumbacasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.